This podcast is brought to you by Campus Central Student Accommodation. Over the past couple of years, movements such as Fees Must Fall have shown us that the issue of affordability when it comes to your education, accommodation and even daily expenses is a serious problem in our country. This is why seeking funding is of absolute importance. This is episode 3 of Student Accommodation in Joburg. I'm your host, Buibelo Mogezi. In this episode, we chat to a few students regarding student accommodation, affordability, and how they've managed. But first, we chat to Pumlani Ayandanduli, a third-year VIT student who currently stays at a private student accommodation, and he shares all you need to know about seeking funding. With us, we've got Pumlani Nduli, who is a third-year VIT student who's currently staying at an off-campus student accommodation. Pumlani, hey, how are you? I'm good, and yourself? I am awesome, thank you. Now, first thing is first, right? The university experience is a very unique one. It's one that I think all of us should actually have, even though the way our things are set up in our country doesn't look like most of us will have that privilege. But you also have the amazing privilege of staying at student accommodation, right? Which most people don't have the privilege of saying, look, I've stayed at a student accommodation. You either stay with family or friends or we're all struggling to find it, right? But for you, why student accommodation? Why that decision? I think... Initially, it was mainly, you know, just for me to get my independence. Um, I've always been an independent person. And mm. yeah, I just like the idea of I'll decide what I want to eat, when I want to eat, you know, how much is going to be electricity and water, whatever. So initially, it was that decision of independence. But if we go deeper into it, it was also a matter of convenience because I stay very far away from school. And also at home, I then have like limited resources, especially now when the COVID-19 pandemic happened and we saw the online learning, you kind of realized how much resources we actually depend on at the university, such as the printers mm-hmm. and all these things that we take for granted, you know, to scan and all these things. You really, really need that. So I think it was also just so I can be convenient. Cool. And Now that we've got that out of the way as to why you moved, I want to get into the process of how. How did this decision come into play, especially in terms of finding funding, right? So Mm -hmm. let's go back a little bit to when you were in high school, right? Were you in grade 11 or grade 12 when it actually dawned on you that, hey, I may need to apply for funding? Did you have a conversation with your parents? How did this conversation come about of you staying at student accommodation? Yeah, wow. It's actually a very funny story because I have never in my life planned to go to university. It was never part of the plan. So even... When I got to grade 11, grade 12, I just applied because at school they were just encouraging like applying. They're just like apply. Then we're also given like bursary opportunities. They're just like, okay, since you're academically strong here, you can try these things out. But I didn't apply for those bursaries. I planned to, but because I procrastinated, I ended up not doing it. So... In my first year of varsity, when I finally got in, because I didn't plan to even go there. So by the time I got to varsity, my family firstly had forced me to go there. So I was still staying at home, but I was, you know, studying at school. 
But, you know, when as time goes, these group projects and stuff like that, and with group projects, since all my friends are staying close by and others had cars, it just meant that we'd maybe finish a group project at around 11 p.m. at night. You know, we study until 1 a.m. and we're on campus and stuff like that. So it was really starting to become an inconvenience of having to travel all the way home or having to now go squatter or sleep at a friend's place. So from then, I then obviously told my parents that it's obviously not working. We need to kind of find alternatives and ways. And yes, so my mom then suggested that because the company my dad worked for had like bursaries and stuff, she suggested that we try that out. We applied for it. It wasn't necessarily successful, but they had released um, some funds to say that, okay, here's some money. So that's how I managed in the first year. Then the second year, I then applied for a bursary, which I then got approved for. Yeah, so that's that's basically how it's been. And then, yeah, moving into the accommodation, it's, it's another process in itself because you have to be proof of funding. You have to bring all these documents. And yeah, it's just really overwhelming. It's also a matter of not believing it, you know, it's, it's knowing that if it's not paid for, then it's over for me because <laughs> it's like yeah. you enter with this paper that says they're going to pay, you know, and next thing they haven't paid and it's been three months and the accommodation is asking you, will you be able to pay that amount for the three months since your pastor hasn't paid, then we'll reimburse you and your pastor repays and they're like, um, no, I really don't have that kind of money. <laughs> so yeah, that's how it kind of played out. I know you said it's an overwhelming process, but I'd like us to just go through it. So you already mentioned that you had to have your proof of funding. What are some of the other documents that you need when applying for student accommodation? So you need an ID document, your ID, a certified copy of your ID, proof of registration or proof of acceptance. If it is your first year, you need obviously the proof of funding, as I've said. You need your parents' IDs, both of them, or your legal guardian. You also need proof of residence. You need your parents' three months bank statements. What else? I think that's about it. Yeah, I think that's about it. And do you have to pay all this money back when you find employment? It was like those full-on bursary will pay for everything. And when you're done, you're just done. So with the bursary that I had, it was because I did lose the bursary last year. So I don't have to pay them back, I think. I'm not too sure. But what was required from them, because it was a, a public bursary, which means it was offered by the Gauteng province. The requirement was that, obviously, you have to work for the Gauteng province or the Gauteng. I don't know, is it the government or the Gauteng department? Let me just leave it there. I don't know. You're supposed to work for them for the number of years they fund you. So if they fund you for three years, you work for them for three years. But they Mm -hmm. did give an option that if you're unable to find unemployment within like three months, then it's fine. You don't have to pay the bursary back and they're willing to understand. So with my bursary, it's that type. But I think usually when it's a bursary, you do have to pay it back. And then when it's more, is it called a sponsorship? That's when you kind of don't necessarily have to pay it back. Yeah. All right. So I think what you're getting at is also just very critical that you know what type of bursary and funding you're getting into uh, before you just get into it. Because I think most of us, we want to go to school so bad, we don't even read the fine print. We just like, Mm -hmm. as long as they pay, I'm there. No, hey, dude, (laughs) that's That's the reality. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. In fact, I have a friend who like did the exact same thing. Who's just like, listen, I'm sorry. You know, because I think we went this clued up. He, he signed some forms and went through varsity. And, you know, sometimes you start failing modules. It happens, you know, life happens. Varsity is such a roller coaster. So when he lost his bursary, you know, he just thought that he can just let it slide. He loses bursary or apply for NASFAS like everyone and life moves on. Only for him to find out that now since he's not funded anymore and they've paid for the years, he has to pay the money back. So it is such a big problem that you do have within society. And it's so sad that bursaries and corporates really don't care. They're not really willing to understand and say, listen, we understand it wasn't easy. Or we understand that this, this, and we're going to let it go. I mean, I know there's nothing for free, but mm. yeah, I guess we just all get so excited that we never really read the fine print and then have to deal with the consequences later. So I think, yeah, everyone really, really needs to be careful of that. And they really need to be aware of that because in the end, you need to know what you're getting into. Otherwise, it's going to have an impact on you and it could be a very negative one. Definitely. And you need to know also, like, does it only cover your studies and your books or does it also cover your accommodation or does it cover both? And, you know, which is the best case scenario. You stay in, in a student apartment, right? What are some yes. of the things you would say you sacrifice to basically maintain your little household from groceries and cleaning products to just, you know, living day-to-day um, living expenses? What are some of the things you sacrifice for your student accommodation? Oh, yo, okay. So the first theory I have, this is answer your first question, does cover everything. So the, from tuition fees, to accommodation, to textbooks, and to meal allowance, which is like a monthly amount, which is to buy groceries and whatever my needs may be, such as cosmetics and stuff. I think one of the things I've had to sacrifice, (laughs) you know, knowing me, I really like a nice time. I really like going out. I like eating out. I like dressing. I like looking nice, you know. Mm. But now... You know, you buy clothes once a year, (laughs) you know, so you kind of have to sacrifice some of the clothing that you're always buying, some of the food that you you realize, whoa, this is actually very expensive. And you kind of wonder how your family kind of fed like six to eight people on a daily basis, like three to four Mm -hmm. times a day. And you're looking at your life and you're like, yo, this is so expensive. So, yeah, I just think I had to sacrifice some of the things which may have been like luxuries, which I was not even so aware of as luxuries. So, yeah, I've had to sacrifice some types of food. I've also kind of chosen the option to drink more water because it's cheap. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah. All right, cool. And what advice would you give to, you know, some students who are getting into their first year, they don't know what to expect. They don't know how to go about seeking funding, particularly for student accommodation. They don't even know what kind of apartment to look for. You know, what kind of advice would you give to them? I think we should start with funding, particularly. When it comes to funding, you know, I think if you didn't apply in the previous year, it can be tricky to get funding 
this year. But it's also not impossible. You know, there are still some bursaries that are open. I know one specifically that covers you in the same year. So there are still bursaries, public bursaries. There are websites such as www.bursaries.coza. It has like all bursaries, from public bursaries to private bursaries. And all those bursaries are legit. I think, firstly, try to apply for those bursaries. There's NASFIS, which is the most common one. And these public and private bursaries. Also, if you have perhaps parents who work in corporate or or the government or specific companies, ask them to find out from their workplaces if they offer bursaries. I know, for example, with VETS, your mother or your father or someone is an employee of the university, you don't have to pay fees. So perhaps if your mom is a security or whichever job she does for the institution or a relative of yours, you don't have to pay fees at all. And then there's also sports and merit bursaries. So perhaps if you know that you achieved, you did very well, you have a 90-something percent average, some universities will take off the fees completely. And then also at sports, if you're like a rugby player, I know at best if you play rugby for them, you don't pay the fees. So there's also a platform called Phoenix, which is like for crowdfunding. And yeah, I think that's about it. Those are the type of bursaries or types of funding that exist out there for students. And they can literally just research them, check them online. Those that I just mentioned are legit. So yeah, just really put yourself out there. Also go to the university on their website. There are even bursaries that you can apply for. So yeah, you can really... Like funding, I think there's so many options of funding. It does get tricky when it comes to the requirements because sometimes the household income they want, it's weird, you know. So the, perhaps like they want a household income of less than 350000 Perhaps if your sister earns more above that or combined your mom and your sister, then they may not want to fund you, you know. And it kind of becomes tricky because your sister isn't the one who's sponsoring your lifestyle. So those are the types of funding that exist. And then when it comes to accommodation, so first, yeah, advise them. Firstly, you need to know the type of person you are. Um, you need to know, if an least self-control, you know, a lot of first years come to varsity and they just want a party after a party. And I think to an extent, you know, that is okay. But if you know that you don't have self-control and you can't say no to a good time or a night out, then choose a student accommodation that is not too close to places that will tempt you, you know. So you can't stay in Bram if you know that you're going to be easily tempted to go out every Thursday to Sunday, you know. So rather go for places like Parktown and Auckland Park and, and other places around that. And also you need to then look into what type of space you're looking for. Are you looking for more of like a community? Are you looking for a student accommodation that perhaps cares about your mental health? You need to really understand what type of community you are looking for. And another thing I'd advise first years is that make sure that you make friends. Go knock on your neighbor's door. Go knock. Greet the people in the elevators. Make friends. Trust me, you need friends to survive through varsity. Um, you know, sometimes times are tough, you need sugar. And also just classmates. Sometimes you don't know what's going on in class. Sometimes you're going through life and you miss class for two days and you come back and you don't know what's going on. So you need to be able to take someone like, hey, what did I miss? So make friends, network, meet people, and don't be afraid to be yourself. I think varsity is the one place where you truly, truly get to be yourself. So explore, meet people. If you have to party, party, go out, dress nice, look good, smell nice. Yeah, that's the advice. 
and study hard. You remember what you're here for? That's the main thing, you know, you're here to study. Don't get Lose lost with the crowd. Time. You know what I'm saying? There are students out here who will party with you every day, but are getting distinctions. And you may not be that person. So that's why I'm like, it's so important to know who you are and the type of person that you are and what works for you. Oh man, you have said a mouthful. You have said a mouthful. Thank you so much because you're so right. I think that you come into your first year, especially when you're not even from the city you're studying in and you are exposed to a whole different world that is fast paced, that is big. There's so many different characters. You're in a space where it is completely normal to just walk on campus and everyone is doing something crazy between classes or people are zombies because we've all been studying the whole night. So I think it's very important to make those friends, to make those networks and make your university experience a bit more bearable because it's not also easy being away from home sometimes. So thank you so, so much, Ayanda. If any of our listeners and viewers of the podcast would like to, you know, get in touch with you and find out, look, I'm having a hard time with my first year. Help me. Are you open to help? And if so, where can we find you? Yeah, no, definitely. I, I'm, I'm always available to help students, especially first years who are kind of not too sure. Like it happens. You don't know which modules to select because now you're doing a general degree and there's all these modules and stuff. So I'm definitely open to helping out any students. Even I know it gets tough. Sometimes you need food and stuff so I can, you know, liaise you to the right people. So they can find me on social media. On Instagram, I am at Twaizi, which is T-W-A-Y-I-Z-I. And then on Twitter, I am at Ayandanduli, GP. So yeah, that's where I am. And yeah, you can slide into the DMs. All right, Ayanda, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. Really enjoyed this. And there you have it from Mr. Nduli himself, sharing some great tips on how you can seek for funding. Otherwise, hearing from students is always key. Have a listen to how the journey of affording student accommodation has been for some students and what sacrifices needed to be made, especially for those who are fortunate enough to get funding. Yeah, Michael, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm actually one of the few students that I know that can say they are fully funded. So I don't really have first-hand experience. But then I do live with people. I do know people who have to compromise in order to make ends meet. So you'd find that someone has to find a side hustle, someone has to juggle a job and being a student in order to cover whatever their buzzer it doesn't cover. You see some things like that. Yeah, it's not fair at the end of the day. It's not fair. Being a student is supposed to be one of your best experiences in life. But yeah, this is the country you live in. Hi, my name is Ruth. I'm from Johannesburg. And... One of the problems that I faced when it came to looking for students' accommodation was a bursary would give me a certain amount. And um, maybe let's say they gave me 3,000. And the place that is actually close to my school is would cost me like 4,000. So it wouldn't be enough for me to actually stay there. And the whole purpose of, you know, getting funding is to be closer to school. So that was one of the biggest problems I actually faced. So the challenge, one of the challenges that I know of when when, when getting funding for student accommodation um, 
would be they would they they want a guarantee. So in my case, I couldn't give them someone who would. I would say that even though I had to pay the loan back, would definitely be there for me. So at home we were. Um, there was no one in who who was in that position. So that's one of the challenges that I know of when it comes to getting funding for student accommodation. It's having a guarantee, so yeah. And as we can gather, it has definitely been a tough financial year. For most South Africans, paying for accommodation and paying for your education is not their reality. And if that is you, we urge you to start seeking for funding, start doing your research from your local government, provincial government, and even national government to see if you qualify. That's all we have time for on episode three. Please tune in to episode four as we talk all things student accommodation during the times of COVID-19. I'm your host, Buipelo Mugezi. This is Student Accommodation in Joburg. This podcast was brought to you by Campus Central Student Accommodation. Visit www.campuscentral.co.za to book your premium student accommodation.